Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Hey guys, it's Patrick. I'm one of the staff members here at NLCC, and I just wanted to let you guys know that at the beginning of this sermon, we had planned a few mishaps um, to go along with Tim's sermon. For example, our host continued to say Mother's Day um, at the beginning of this instead of Father's Day. Tim left his music stand behind the stage and left his mic muted. We flicked the lights on in the building on and off a few times. But in the middle of the sermon, there's going to be a little bit of a, a weird skip jump. And that's because something that we completely had not planned was the power in the building going off during the sermon. So there's going to be a weird moment where it's a break in the sermon and it's going to kip, pick back up in a weird spot, but that's because Tim continued to preach <laughs> while our power was out. And you're going to hear when that power came back on and we started to record again. So I just wanted to let you know a little bit ahead of time here that that's why uh, you're going to have a little bit of a skip jump there. There we go. There we go. Oh, let there be light. <laughs> oh, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I want to, you know, be honest with you. Um, if you're a, a visitor, I do apologize for the lack of preparing for you to have a first good impression this morning. And for those of you who invited your friends for the first time, bragging about how awesome we are, you know, we're not, okay? I mean, seriously, how many of you, when you go into a place and things happen, you feel a little uncomfortable? You know, the, 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 the disorganization, uh, the, the things that you experience, it just makes you feel uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you something. If, if you ever experience that within a church setting, you can, if somebody comes up to you and says, well, I don't believe in organized religion, you say, well, come to our church. We're very disorganized, right? <laughs> but to put you at ease... To put you at ease, we did all this on purpose. Just a small thing today. Oh my gosh. I can't believe the outcry we had because there was no communion on the outside tables. Wow. And then, you know, the lights, the mic, my stand. And there was a few other things that happened this morning that just it wasn't planned. It just happened and everybody was like, ah. And that's, that's just what happens, right? Again, we, do this, we did this kind of stuff on purpose today to show you the importance of being prepared and efficient. And let's be honest, many, many of you don't notice when I'm supposed to get up here to preach, I do it the same time every week when there's four seconds left on that countdown, I come up here to preach. But when I, when I don't come up here at the right time, then you notice when something's messed up. When we do things differently, when we don't do what you want when you want it done, 
when something unexpected happens, when we're not prepared, uh, the, the masses start to get a, a bit anxious, a little upset, and they start doubting if anyone is actually doing what they volunteer to do or gets paid to do. A few weeks ago, uh, a couple of beautiful baptisms took place, and I came out from the back only because I didn't have time because Chris is down to one song at the start, and I usually come out here and sit down where I usually sit, and I didn't have time, so I came out here. People, well, what happened? I had time to walk out on stage. That's why things happen once in a while. We're prepared to do certain things because of what's taking place around us. Uh, but every, every Sunday, every Sunday, you have somebody comes in here between 5.30 in the morning to 9.45. They, use, they unlock the doors. They turn on the lights. They prepare communion and coffee. Uh, they turn on the AC or the heat, depending on what uh, time of year it is. We make sure the classrooms are prepared. Uh, sound checks and worship practices take place and praying for everyone who enters this building to understand and learn about Jesus, our Savior. And even though that happens on a weekly basis, and I think we think we're ready, guess what happens once in a while with all that preparation? A mic starts to pop, unexpected things. It does its own thing. You know, the AC goes out, a guitar spring, a string breaks, someone gets sick and they don't show up or didn't call when they forgot they were supposed to show up to help volunteer. Nobody asks for that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and after many efficient Sundays with our, our tech team, uh, there, there are going to be times where the system doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And those of you who are out there watching online, you see it. We don't. Weird things happen to, to the service out there. We don't typically plan to look bad, but sometimes things happen. And chances are you never think of the organizational things that happen around here every week for efficient and effective experience for any who walk through those doors to learn about Jesus and worship God. Allow me to be a little transparent. Every Monday, we have our staff meetings, and we go over, uh, discuss the bad and the good that happens on a Sunday morning. And honestly, and I, my staff probably is not going to like this, I don't like that. I, I don't like it. Now, I, that doesn't mean that I don't think that we should have discussion on things that went horribly wrong or great victories that took place on that Sunday. But do I want everyone to be prepared for, for you when you come in here uh, through those doors? Absolutely. Do I hope and pray that all who volunteered to do ministry on any given Sunday would show up when they said they were going to show up? Absolutely. Do I want things to go haywire and with some domino effect on a Sunday morning? Absolutely not. But when people try as they may to figure out a way to do everything to just to be perfect, for some to sit there and just observe, expecting everything to go perfect, uh, to, for anyone who thinks that humans, technology, or in, that, that happens to be involved in everything we do around here, that everything's going to be perfect, it's not going to happen. It's not, no matter how hard we try. You know how it works in your own home. When we recorded our service during our COVID uh, for you to have some semblance of uh, worship, I actually had someone argue with me two different times about a shirt that I wore, and, and, they, had, and they described the shirt because I couldn't figure out what they were talking about, and they said it, it didn't look good on camera, and I told them that I don't even own a shirt, what you're, what you're, what you're explaining here. I, I don't even own a shirt, and then they threw, oh, yeah, you did. I'm like, no, I don't. I know what kind of clothes I have. I know what I wear on Sunday mornings, okay? But, but... They just kept arguing with me on this, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. We're wasting God's time that he's blessed us with to discuss something like this. But, but even if I did have a shirt like that, and I wore it during those COVID videos, I was still going to look good in it, no matter what. 
Look. I got a t-shirt on today. And it's untucked. And it's not even an untucked t-shirt. Just, I didn't tuck it in. This is the first time in 35 years I'm standing on this stage with an untucked shirt. And I feel odd. I am sweating because I have an untucked shirt on. And I've got loafers on. I never do that. When they ask me to do something I don't like doing, I'm like, <laughs> I think we're too hard on ourselves when it comes to perfection and effectiveness. But I also believe we should always put our best foot forward. That's for sure. There, there are going to be times when we plan and practice, and during that practice, everything goes well. But the moment we hit play, things don't go as planned. Um, and maybe that's a good thing because it keeps us humble. How many of you during your school days stayed up all night to study for a test? And when you took the test, you thought you were going to ace it. But what happened? You didn't do so well, did you? And the times, the times that you thought you did horrible on your test and you didn't study at all, you got a passing grade. That was me. C, C minus. I was good with that. But every time you thought you did something good, it turned out bad. Everything you, th you thought you did something bad, it turned out good. But th there, there are times that I feel that, that a message that I preach just landed flat, not connecting with anyone. And yet those are typically the ones that people have the most responses to. And they say, you know, wow. But it's not about Tim Stewart. No matter what I say up here, it's about the Holy Spirit sharing word that you as an individual Christian need to hear in that moment, whether it's a full course, five, five course meal in that one particular Sunday morning, or it's just a morsel, just a crumb, as long as the Holy Spirit's speaking to you in that one moment and you'll listen. to describe the complaining of the Israelite nation when, when, against Moses when they were wandering on, around in the wilderness. And God dealt with that complaining nation pretty harshly for their lack of gratitude for the blessings that they were already receiving from God. And even though the church was filled with the promised Holy Spirit, some of the people were still griping and criticizing. And I, I can tell you without a doubt, no leader in the first century or in the 21st century likes to hear that. And so the reality is that the, 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 the best of churches will have problems. And if you've, if you've been part of any organization, any church, even, even with your own spouse, a mission trip, youth activities, even here at North Liberty, you will soon figure out that we are made up with imperfect, ordinary people with a lot of different needs and ideas and preferences, wants and everyday problems. And, 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 and if, when you go through scripture, when you experience life in church, some are just downright whiners about everything, just like the Israelite people. Some are very hypocritical. Some don't want to get along. Uh, they just want, to, they want what they want when they want it. And who cares about the rest of everybody else? Some are, are very critical about everything. Some have overbearing, irritating personalities and loud mouths. And that's just our ministry staff here. <laughs> we know what you say about us. We hear. People talk. Can you imagine what we say about you? <laughs> it's just the way it works. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. True community begins with disillusionment. 
And what he means by that is that we have to love people as they are, not as we wish they were. And that's hard. There, there's no doubt about it. The first century church had a lot of messed up people. Last week in Acts chapter 5, we learned about Ananias and Sapphira uh, lying about their tithing. In Acts chapter 10, we have some church leaders upset with and questioning uh, Peter after he baptized a bunch of Gentiles. You know, the Roman centurion, his home, everybody there, and his, and, and his, his guards and his servants. He, he immersed all of them. And then the elders of the church, you know, in Peter's day, oh, what are you talking about? I'm going to be mad because you baptized too many people. And Peter's like, what? Are you serious? And it's in the book of Acts. In Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, two prominent leaders, had a big disagreement, and they parted company. Peter and Paul, the two main pillars of the church, if you will, they fought over some serious issues. And in Acts chapter 18, Apollos, a preacher, was teaching false doctrine. And if you read the epistles, you'll see many examples of, of the first century church, uh, the problems within. And the church was filled with the Holy Spirit, but it was still made up of imperfect people. And so my word of encouragement to you is if you ever find a perfect church, please, please don't join it because you're going to mess it up. I mean... We know you, you know us. So how about we just take care of it here instead of creating problems somewhere else? You understand what I'm saying? This church has experienced growth and decline and growth and decline and decline and growth. Our building houses a preschool, a Christian school, a daycare, and you don't think that causes some issues? Every week, this building is used all the time, and in many of those, they don't clean up their mess because they figure, well, we got a, you know, a, a janitor. They, they think that that janitor is their, their personal maid. Nuh-uh. But it happens all the time. We have multiple staff with very, uh, very variety of preferences and ideas. Do you really think that we always get along? That we always agree? Sunday, every Sunday, ministers around the world uh, get hammered by individuals who have never been trained for ministry, but who apparently think they know more about ministry than those who have been trained by ministry. It happens all the time. We have a lot of square footage here in this building. We have a lot of property out there, and they, they, they need constant uh, attention. And we have a lot of benevolent needs that take place within our own church and this community that need to be managed with a servant's heart. It takes a lot of effort. In America, we have this consumer mentality, and, if it's, no, and it's no different within the body of Christ, which creates problems. People today go to church to have their personal needs met rather than going to church to seek the will of God and, and worship Him. Instead of having a servant's mentality, people have a service mentality, which is, pro, which is obviously taking place here in Acts chapter 1, or chapter 6, verse 1, because our widows are being overlooked with food. Everything that's taking place, 20,000 new members in one week, Miracles taking place. Everybody's selling everybody, everything to help everybody else out. Somebody got mad because, oh, well, you know, the Hebrew ladies are getting better food than the, 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 the other women. And, and when we come to church to have our personal needs met, we are more likely to be critical every time we have a problem when the church isn't doing something for me, what I want. It never seems to dawn on us that the church does not exist for us. It, it, it exists to glorify God, to serve one another, and proclaim Jesus Christ. Those who usually do the most complaining, I've experienced, 
you know, I'm not being fed kind of thing, or have been Christians most of their lives. And sometimes I, I, I ignore it. Sometimes, depending on my relationship with the person, I might say something, but most of the time I'm thinking to myself, you want to be fed? Then take the bib off and get out of the high chair and start feeding yourself. Oh, that sounds so harsh, doesn't it? But is that not the reality? You and I are responsible for our own salvation. Not a preacher, not an elder, not your neighbor, but you in your relationship with God, you're the only one who can develop that. But I won't say it because I don't want anybody getting upset causing them to leave the church and proving my point. And so I've decided that the only way to fix this the only way to fix this with, with, with our culture, I'm just kind of playing around with our culture, and I don't mean to offend anybody, it just makes sense to me. I now identify as always being right. <laughs> and so when I speak, I'm right. But wait a minute, oh, that was God who already did that. He's already spoken. He's the one that's right. Church family, we have to face the fact that there are no perfect people, there's no perfect church that will meet all your needs. And if you, want, if you want your needs to be met, then I would encourage you to start meeting the needs of other people. When, when you start, that's when you start to figure, this is how this works. Jesus himself said, whoever would be the greatest among you, let him be what? The servant of all. That came from Jesus, the son of the living God. You want to be great? Then you become a servant of all. Every, every church, even the ones that are spirit-led, have problems, and, and they will until the day Jesus returns. But it doesn't mean we stop trying to do our best to meet the needs on some level by you know, being prepared to teach and serve one another. Okay? You, you've got to at least put an effort forth. Uh, the, the, apostles Paul didn't, uh, the apostles did not ignore the complaint taking place here. They didn't become passive-aggressive towards those who asked questions and disagreed. They listened with a humble heart. Look what they said in verse 3. Let's choose seven spirit-filled wise men and turn the task over to them. We'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased everybody. This, this, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and, and the Holy Spirit, also Philip and five others. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. And this is precisely why we have ministry teams around here. Instead of a bunch of men and women being voted on and sit in a meeting once a month to argue about the color of carpets or, or the walls, we made a decision back in 2000 to choose uh, or appoint uh, deacons or deaconesses. And you know what those two words mean? Servants. Male, female servants. And the best biblical thing that we have come up with is we choose individuals who are talented in particular areas and ask them to run that department. That's how this works. That's why we have ministry teams. This provides a much more biblical way to achieve what the first century church did and it allows more people to use their God-given talents to serve and grow the church. Some people think that organization uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit are mutually exclusive, you know? And, and, and you know, if, if, if you just trust God, you know, you won't have to plan or prepare anything. Just sit there and it's gonna happen. But I love what, what happened to Martin Luther. Uh, he illustrates it this way. He, he was told that if he just prayed, the Holy Spirit would give him a message to preach. And so he decided to put it to the test, and so he deliberately uh, didn't prepare and waited to hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit for a sermon on this one particular Sunday. And as he's walking up to the pulpit, he heard the Holy Spirit whisper to him, Martin, you were not prepared. 
The Spirit can work through any means as long as a message stays true to the Word of God. And the Spirit can work through all forms of delivery, but you still have to plan. Uh, God's Spirit can work more effectively through good planning than He can when He's got to shut down chaos and fix it. So, plan. If you recall, Jesus was pretty organized when He fed the 5,000. He sent, put them in groups of 50s and 100s, you remember that? And when he selected his followers, he chose 70, and then he sent each of them out two by two uh, for ministry training, and then he chose a more intimate group of the 12 who he trained as apostles, and just before the Last Supper, he sent two individuals back into Jerusalem and said, hey, you go and prepare the upper room for the Passover. He, he was prepared as he planned uh, many things in advance. And let me give you a quick rundown of how NLCC and really any church should be organized to be fairly efficient. The Spirit led Paul, one of the apostles, wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 that Jesus is the head of the church. You can't argue that away. In Acts chapter 20, Luke says the elders are the overseers of the church. You can't argue that away. And at the present time, we have four lay unpaid elders um, who volunteer to serve on a three-year consecutive term, and they can be reaffirmed uh, uh, for another three years if they want. The same spirit inspired Paul to write to young Timothy in his letter that your staff are paid elders, but we are accountable to the lay uh, unpaid elders. That's how that works, okay? Our ministry teams are under the oversight of the elders, but they do their best to stay out of those areas unless something needs to be handled for a spiritual issue uh, if, the, if the ministry team doesn't or won't uh, deal with it. And within each of these teams, they, there are detailed organizational plans, and there, or there should be, and, and the, the larger those ministry gets or even the church gets, the more uh, important, efficient organization becomes. And those of us, those of you who have children, you know how that is on a Sunday morning and the checkout thing goes down or there's nobody there. It's chaos out there. Got a whole line of people. And then on Monday mornings, we're trying to figure out how to fix it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And we try typically, we try, but typically we have something that goes wrong. You know, we're not perfect. We had planned a disorganization to take place and this other stuff happened. A few weeks ago, I, um, we had some construction take place in here and 98% and of you haven't even noticed what we did. And I'm not gonna point it out because then you're gonna grumble because you know now you know and you haven't noticed for two weeks. That's, that's again, that's how, how it works. But, but now that I've got your attention, would you please allow and focus on the Holy Spirit and what he's trying to teach you on a spiritual level? Don't worry about the physical stuff. For two days, I don't even know if he's here, Bob Shipley was in here making a mess. Okay? With the, with the help of Chris. Uh, and two days I spent trying to keep up with their mess uh, with you know, normal ministry duties. And on the third day, I was exhausted. And so I called for help. Um, uh, uh, Macy and, and uh, uh, Micah Fleck showed up, uh, Susie and Ira Napier, uh, Lynn and McKenna and, and Noah and Jasmine Pride showed up, Lucy Hugel, Ariana Foster. And I, and I honestly want to give a big shout out to those fifth and sixth graders who came in here to help this old man clean this place up so that when you came in here, you were not disrupted by all the mess that was here in here the week before. So give, give an applause to those young kids who helped out. 
Everything, everything that happened a few weeks ago had to be planned out, all right? The, the timing of the lift being here, uh, to Bob coming in here and making his mess, to those who helped clean up, uh, to the drywaller and the painter, and, and then back to those who helped clean up and pick up and set up. Again, it was planned and put into motion for the best efficient outcome for all of you. The same is true for anything that we do in life. We, we may misstep once in a while, but it's not intentional. And you can say the same about your own lives. This is why the apostles selected seven men full of wisdom and the spirit, and they didn't micromanage them. They, they said they turned the responsibilities over to them, and they went on their God-given responsibilities of praying and advancing the gospel of Christ. That is the church's overall focus, right? So that the body of Christ is prepared for works of service to effectively and efficiently proclaim the message of redemption and grace and love to grow the kingdom. That's what the church is about. And when people sit out there and say, oh, I don't want the church to grow, are you then in line with God's will? He wants his church to grow. Whether it's North Liberty or the, the Methodist church down here or the, the Lutheran church or any church across the world, he wants his body to grow. And for anybody to get in that way, wow, you're messing with trouble. In verse 6, or chapter 6, 7, it says, So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I mean, do you see what's going on here? The first church kept their focus on their primary mission, and that was to evangelize, advance the gospel. And when they were mocked and persecuted and warned not to talk about Jesus anymore, they went right back out there to proclaim Jesus even louder and louder than they did before. And they said, we are going to obey God rather than men. Ananias and Sapphira were disciplined for lying about the amount they gave. And great fear filled the church, but it says in 514, nevertheless, more and more people were added to their number. And here in Acts 6, when some of their uh, needs weren't being met, they organized to correct the problem, and, and they shared Jesus. Even though there was a problem going on, they still shared Jesus. Again, so the word of God spread. But there is some larger, some, some danger if the church or the business spends too much time trying to become perfect in their structural organization because that structure can become an in and itself. In other words, the church or business can lose its main focus or mission. The more rules you have for organization or efficiency can become a serious detriment to the growth of the church or the business. That's exactly what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. If you remember, Jesus condemned their attitude and what they did to everybody else because they went way beyond God's intended uh, purpose and became so legalistic that they were putting unnecessary burdens on the people. And again, Jesus condemned this. They were, they were restructuring what God intended after themselves rather than God and his mission for the church. And when things became too complex and too bureaucratic, it was self-defeating and it caused a lot of harm. I don't know, in, in, in Proverbs, Solomon said something really interesting that kind of plays into this. He said, an empty stable stays clean, but no income comes from an empty stable. And, and so the purpose of a barn is not to stay clean, but to house livestock. And the purpose of the church building or the church itself is not to, to be a museum, but to share Jesus and minister to people's needs, which, is, which should be done in some organized way. I, we, we all understand that. And, and I think we do a pretty good job of that by housing a preschool and the school and daycare, including many uh, nights throughout the week and weekends, uh, so many other activities that take place around here to meet the needs of our own people and, and people in our community. And so allow me to say 
this everyone, anyone who worships here from the top down, from the bottom up, volunteers, anyone who gets paid on staff in ministries, you are not here just to maintain cleanliness and to fill out forms and to keep rigid rules and, and protect pr uh, tradition uh, and, and, only, and, and only providing for your own preferences. You are here first and foremost to honor God and serve people. That is the church. Do, do that as efficiently and, and, and with as much compassion and passion as possible. Be friendly, uh, pay attention, but don't lord your position over people. Once in a while, you, you, uh, once in a while no, you, you just, just might have to ignore rules. Oh, Tim, you can't say that. And what you've prepared yourself. If it gets in the way of meeting a need or sharing Jesus... When I was in youth ministry, my dad always taught me before, I, when I came into ministry, if you've got teens who are struggling with something going on in school or in that very moment, and they bring it up in class, all that preparation for whatever lesson you plan needs to be set aside, and you take care of the need. And the same thing happens within the, the body of Christ. So, so pay attention. If, if, if we're not careful, we just might get so over bearing and with unnecessary things that, that get and get in the way of the Holy Spirit, we become stagnant and useless and we die. Jesus was very clear on the church's primary mission uh, minutes before he ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. In Matthew 28, again, go into all the world. You teach everything I've commanded you. Live your life in honor of my Father. Our mission from Jesus himself is to advance the gospel, but you do it with grace, truth, and love. As Jesus said, he came to seek and save the lost. That is our duty. Yes, we, we, we should be organized and efficient in what we do, but if it gets in the way of our primary, then we need to repent. Every one of us. If, we are all, if all we're about is to, is to make people uh, feel good and ignore the spiritual well-being, uh, then we're missing the mark. If we're all about rules and programs and activities and we're not talking about God's standard and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we're nothing more than a, a, a noisemaker. We're just, we're just wasting people's time. If, we're about, if, if all we're about is to have a good reputation in the community and we don't have those hard conversations about what it means to be a follower of Christ so, so we don't offend anyone by calling, calling people to repentance, then it's clear that we're more concerned about the applause of men than the approval of God. And, and within a generation, or even sooner, the cool, relevant church embraces a humanistic, secular worldview and starts to compromise truth in order to be relevant in a feel-good place. And Paul warns the church not to get caught up in, 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 in and preach what itching ears want to hear. Don't, don't get up there and start preaching things just to make people feel good. Have you ever read the Gospels? Have you ever read the Epistles? It wasn't all about feel good. They hit sin. They hit social issues. They hit moral state. It just went on and on. But through it all, and which is so hard for human beings, is Jesus was full of grace and truth. Sometimes we're more in grace or we're more in truth instead of both. We need to be graceful, but at the same time, we need to be truthful. That's the church. This reminds me of the, of the story. And when, when, you, when you do that, when we, when we become guilty of that, the church becomes, again, emotionally driven rather than scripturally driven. And this, again, this reminds me of the, uh, the, 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 the polite uh, burglar. 
because he was so proud of himself that he could go into any, anybody's home and burglarize them and not wake them up. But, but one night he, he broke into a home and, and he woke the, the couple up. And he said, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wake you, uh, but I can't leave any witnesses. So before I, what's your name? And the, the wife says, well, my name is Sharon. And the polite burglar said, really? My name, my, 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 my mom's name was, was uh, Sharon as well. I can't hurt you. And then he asked, you know, the husband, what's your name? And he said, well, my name's Randy, but all my friends call me Sharon. That just simply re illustrates the reality and the biblical warning of Christians who say what itching ears want to hear. When under threat from our culture, some Christians will say, I, I don't really believe in creation. I don't really believe in hell. I don't really believe in absolute truth or moral standards. I don't really believe that Jesus is the only way to God. You can believe in whatever you want. That there's no right or wrong a way to live life as long as you're happy. And that is when the church takes her eyes off the author and perfecter of her faith and the approval of men becomes more important than the truth of God's word. And the church has fallen into this. And if we want to make an impact and become relevant in this world, we need to stay true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, we, we cannot forget that the Holy Spirit resides in us. This is a promise from Jesus. And with his power and strength, we dare not take our eyes off the prize and mission uh, to win the loss to Christ. We can't do that. We, 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 can, we can be organized as, as much as we want. We can look absolutely perfect and on our game every Sunday. But if we do not become efficient in advancing the gospel, this, would, this, this, would, uh, this world and many people that we love will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's on us. When we, we can be the best at benevolence and compassion and feeding the hungry and strengthening broken homes, but the ultimate cure, the only long-term solution is to bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ who transforms hearts and changes behavior. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, I am determined not to know anything, anything about you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't care about your past. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do today with this knowledge of Jesus Christ? And if the Bible is true, it means that all of us are sinners and separated from God and destined for hell. But Jesus, the Son of God, came to save his people from their sins. And by giving his life and being raised to, to, out of the grave, he showed us that through his power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have eternal life through him. And that's, that's the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. If everything we teach from God's word is true, then we've got to get on the same page with the Lord and stay on his mission and plans that he set forth uh, and what was introduced to us in the first century church with effectiveness and boldness and power. Some of you met, um, Matt and Rachel didn't know I was going to do this, um, met their foreign exchange student, Philip. You guys remember him? Um, he stayed with him for a whole school year. He's back in Germany now. But uh, he and I were talking about the American church and, and the German church, and he told me that the church uh, over where he went, um, and most of the churches over there were 800,000, 1,500 years old, that the churches were usually beautifully, beautiful architectural structures, but they were empty and cold. And the people that did attend, they were as old as the church. Okay? <laughs> this is coming from a teenager. 
But he truly enjoyed his experience here at NLCC, and, and he wished and he hopes that the church in Germany would begin to show some life. He watches on Sunday mornings now, uh, I think with his family there in Germany. Um, but but, but I, I think it's a good, a good thing for us to be praying for Philip. You don't even know who he is, some of you. Pray for the churches in Germany that the Spirit of God would start moving effectively in those, in those places. God is not a God of America only. He owns the world and everybody in it. The question needs to be asked of every church across this world. If you are on your game every, every time your doors are open, if you look and sound perfect, if everyone follows all the rules, if the building has no signs of wear and tear uh, from, from use and looks immaculate, but does not teach the absolute truth of God's word and has not had anyone except Jesus Christ in, in, their, in their church home, what use is it? A spirit-led church is more concerned about the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ than trying to impress the world with her looks. What kind of church do you want to be? Collectively as an individual. You are the church, remember that. I would encourage you to follow Jesus, to be filled with his spirit, advance the gospel, and God will bring about the growth that we pray for. Let me pray for the church. Father God, we love you. We thank you for a little laughter today. Um, still a little curious about what happened to all the power around here, but, but Father, as Christians, we know that our power comes from you. I pray, Father, that you will just be with this body of believers, those who are watching, on, uh, watching online, those who are present, and Father, we would be advancing your kingdom. We can be as organized as we want, but Father, when it's time for you to move, you're going to move, and if we're in the way, you're going to push us out of the way. And I thank you that you're willing to do that. Protect us, Father, as we go out and share Jesus. We love you, Father. We again thank you in Jesus' name. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.